What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoyed this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at what the actual fork pod and subscribe, rate and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now let's get into it. Welcome back to another episode of what the actual fork podcast. All right. So we have Bonnie here. Is this your Third time or second time back, Bonnie? Second time on the podcast. Second time on but the podcast. But we've re-released her episode because yes. it was so good. So technically third. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah, it's been re-released. So but perfect. But since the last time you have been on, you've now been pregnant twice since that time. <laughs> you've had one child. You're That's pregnant correct. again. That's correct. <laughs> Facts. But no, we're going to talk all things pregnancy, all things postpartum. But before we get into that, we have to stick with our like tried and true question to kick off this episode. We want to know your most recent what the actual fork moment of the day, of the week, of the year, something that stopped you in your tracks. And it can be related to diet culture, but since this you know, this episode is going to be centered a little bit more around pregnancy, postpartum. It could be around like new kid nutrition, baby nutrition, motherhood, anything that's really stopped Uh you in your tracks that you've seen online and made you say, what the actual fuck? Wow. (laughs) That is a really good question. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Let me think. I feel like there's so much misinformation everywhere I turn that it's hard to to pinpoint something. I think off the top of my head, if I could say like, wow, this stopped me in my tracks. It's not really a diet culture thing, but because we're going to be talking about pregnancy and all of that, I've been really watching my nine-month-old son with his eating obviously more recently. And he's gone through so many different phases of being sick. And I think it's just been so interesting for me to watch his appetite change. Like we went through a period recently where he ate just about nothing for like three days and I freaked out and then he was totally fine. And when he started to feel better, his appetite came back. He was eating normally again. And I know that's like totally different than probably usual what the actual fork, like diet culture things you get. But when you asked that question, that was the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, you can literally see my son as an intuitive eater and he's only nine months old. 
Yes. I love that. I'm so happy you shared that. And like, think about when we get sick as adults, whether it's norovirus, that would be an extreme case of this, of like where we lose our appetite and we literally can't eat or like look at food or stomach food. Sam speaking from experience. (laughs) Major experience. Bonnie also, I feel like Bonnie, you and I have DM'd of like, we're just always sick. We're pregnant, (laughs) like daycare germs, all the things. Um, And yeah, so no, I'm so glad you brought that up because even being three, you know, dietitians who help people overcome disordered eating, like once you're feeding your own child, I I feel like I don't know anything and I have so much anxiety around that. And so like you said, like watching it happen, it's like, oh no, like they really, we really do as humans like know what what we need and what we don't need in certain moments. And don't get me wrong. I was terrified. I was like genuinely worried about him, but there was nothing I could do to get this kid to eat. Like I was trying to give him the bottle and he was just pushing his head away, taking his hand, shoving it. And you know, I was like, I just got to listen to him. It didn't last too long to the point where we needed Mm -hmm. to go to the doctor or something. And then his appetite just came right back. And I'm like, you know what? He's such a good little intuitive eater. (laughs) So proud of him. You know, what's funny too, is they like, like they learn their lessons too. Cause like my son, um, he just turned three, but the last time he was sick, he asked for milk and cause he didn't realize that he was sick. He just knew that he was like thirsty and he ended up throwing it up. Well, let's just get right into like the goriness of motherhood all over me, of course. Um, and then the next time he was sick, he said no milk this time. Like they remember and like they learn things and like they, they know what they want. And then the experience I don't know how to put it like eloquently, but like they recognize like their body's changing and like their needs changing with that too. And I think it's really, like you said, it's just really cool. Yeah. Like it literally does stop me in my tracks to be able to see this kid just knowing what his body needs because he hasn't been influenced by the world around us. Like he's like a clean slate and it's truly something that is so rare to see these days. Can we talk about then? I know we have other points that we want to make in this episode, but there is a mega viral video going around right now. I'm sure you both have seen it of the woman who is making her daughter breakfast um, and she's putting the powdered donuts on a plate and an applesauce. Have you guys seen that? I have not. Um, Enlighten us. Okay. So there's this video that's gone around. I think it has like millions and millions of views. Um, this is a woman, I think her daughter's like four or five. She's making her breakfast, basically saying like, this is what she'll eat. And she's serving her breakfast, right? And her breakfast consists of, um, powdered donuts and an applesauce. I don't know anything else about the video other than it was picked up on the wrong side of social media by the food elitists who are basically trying to say that this woman could buy eggs for the same price as, you know, the packaged donuts, or she could buy this and that and do this and force her kid to eat this. And it's her fault that her kid's not eating anything nutrient dense because she's not offering it and just making all of these shameful assumptions. So there's 
two very particular people that I know of that have picked up that video and stitched it really inappropriately. And I have had words with both of these influencers, so I'm not going to name them. Um, But with that said, you know, I wanted to take an angry approach to respond to that video and instead took the approach of education and talking about how fucking challenging it's been to feed my own son, who at nine months was trying everything, eating whatever I put in his plate. And now he eats chicken fingers. He eats a grilled cheese sometimes. He eats, he loves croissants. He loves, like his typical foods are less nutrient dense than I as a parent would prefer, right? But it doesn't mean that I'm not trying. It doesn't mean all of these assumptions that are made. And if this kid wants a donut and that's all he'll eat, like I'm going to give him a donut, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it's where I'm going with this is that feeding a kid is something that is not only so incredibly challenging, but what I think these influencers are forgetting is that kids can make decisions and forcing them to do something at nine months, at one year, at two years, at three years is only impacting their future relationship with food. And that is a conversation that is not being had on social media. Mm. What do you guys think? 100%. I was (laughs) just thinking back to a time that I forget how old I was and my uncle still like laughs about this, but I'm like, uh, I'm like hashtag traumatized from it where they were like forcing me to eat something. And like, I was like crying and there was like laughter and like, again, like shouldn't be laughing. Cause I'm like literally traumatized by it, but I will never forget that. And it is imprinted in my brain. And I share that because like, you cannot force a child to eat food. Like you said, and if you are trying to force it down their throat, then they're really never going to eat that food that you're trying to mm-hmm. say that they, air quotes, should be eating. Like that is, oh, yeah. that makes my heart so sad. And it's horrible that I feel like the automatic thought we have is this is a reflection on me. Mm-hmm. You know, how our child is eating. And I think that's diet culture that's definitely instilled mm-hmm. that in us that what am I doing wrong? Uh, am I being a good parent? When in actuality, so much of it is outside of our control. I've heard from so many people, Jenna, that their babies were great adventurous eaters when they were around my son's age. And then they get to toddler age and they don't want to eat that much and they're pickier. So I'm enjoying this time with my adventurous little eater while I can, but I'm also holding my breath knowing that this may, this may not last. And I think, listen, I think all kids are different when it comes to their consumption and their preferences. And like, at the end of the day, you want them to eat food. They're moving, especially toddler ages when they're running and they're learning and they're so exploratory, like they're burning so many calories that I know that when my son doesn't eat anything, like the meltdowns are just not worth it. (laughs) So like if all he's going to eat is a bag of goldfish, like (laughs) I'm going to give him a bag of goldfish. But as a parent on social media that doesn't have the education and the experience that the three of us on the screen have, you scroll for two seconds and you're like, goldfish are killing your child. And you're like, oh shit, now what do I do? Right? And the messaging is so inflammatory and so hurtful that it's so confusing to be a parent right now. Because yeah, I mean, 
are there, when I went to my son's class the other day and there was a little girl in the classroom that was eating like vegetables um, and like whatever was in her lunchbox. And I was like, that night I said, you know, so-and-so Noah was eating cucumbers at lunch. Like, do you want to try one? It used to be his favorite food now. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Did I put it on his plate anyway? Yes. But like, did he eat it? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> Will I continue to show it to him? Sure. But you know, you just, I think at the end of the day, you can't force it. And I think for any parent listening, the part, piece of the conversation that's not being discussed enough is how forcing your kids to eat something they don't want to eat impacts their relationship with that food later in life. And Sammy, it's funny you say that because my cousin was forced to eat chicken once and he's like 45 years old now. And like he was forced, like couldn't leave the table until he had yeah. the chicken. He hasn't touched chicken in 40 years. And do you want like, to know what my food was? <laughs> Which it wasn't, it was tater tots. Like it, <laughs> it wasn't like a vegetable, but like they, the, all the adults thought it was so funny that I didn't want tater tots and I didn't want them. And they were like, would not let me leave the, the table and I will not eat a tater tot to this day. Like they haunt me. It's so funny. I, uh, <laughs> like, I can remember my brother, my parents trying to get him to eat veggies and salads growing up. And I can vividly see him doing that and walking right over to the trash and spitting it out. Yeah. <laughs> I think kids are smart. He, he does eat veggies today, but I'm not sure where he's at with salads. I'll have to follow up. <laughs> Circle back with a salad update. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> So I feel like the supplement space is pretty confusing. I think if you go on social media, you are bombarded with a bunch of messages about supplements. And I do just want to like put out there that myself as a registered dietitian, I do take supplements. Um, but... I will say that there are certain things that I look for before deciding on a supplement. And I think it's really important that as consumers, we understand that a supplement by definition is something that supports your intake, right? It supplements your nutritional intake. And so as a registered dietitian, I do encourage my clients and myself to get the most of our nutritional needs through food first, but it's not always possible. So when you are looking for a supplement, the product AG1 by Athletic Greens, I think is a great option if you are looking to add in more vitamins and minerals into your diet. So this product contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. What I always look for before I choose any supplement is a third party test. Um, and they are NSF certified for sport to ensure the highest quality and safety of the product. And what I love about that is that having that NSF seal on it states that what it says is on the package is actually inside the product. Um, AG1 sources the best and highest quality ingredients that it can find. And beyond all of these things, the product tastes good. And that's something that is super important to me. I feel like we just got a supplement 101 masterclass by <laughs> Jenna, which I love. So if you want to try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase, you can go to drinkag1.com forward slash fork. That's drinkag1.com forward slash fork to check it out. Oh my gosh. Well, there's so much we want to get to within parenting, pregnancy, postpartum. So like, where shall we start? 
Jenna, do you have a, an inkling of where you want to start with this? Well, considering I am now a mom of two and you two are about to be, let's just talk about the shit that's different in your second pregnancy versus your first. Because before I was like pregnant with Dylan, like, or like actually pregnant, the beginning, it's like, you're okay. You might be a little nauseous, but like, it hasn't really hit you yet. But like when you're like in it, like I know you two are halfway, like you're in it right now. Like things are very different and I don't think I understood that enough. (laughs) So while it's fresh in both of your brains, I would love to know like what is feeling just, what are you surprised about being pregnant with your second versus your first? Like what did you take for granted your first pregnancy that you're now like, fuck, (laughs) because I have a list of those. Okay, I'm going to start with a positive here just because I know that we're probably going to say a lot (laughs) not so positive. But what I love in the sense of this pregnancy is from a mental health standpoint, like Mm. way less anxiety. Okay, like um, especially like I know I've shared on the podcast and openly on social about like our infertility journey. So like with the first one, there was so much anxiety, like getting to the birth, right? Like getting her in our arms. And now we have that, you know, experience. We have our daughter. Um, we know that, you know, it worked all of these things, but I, I just feel like also being a first time parent, there's so much you don't know. You don't know about labor. You don't know about birth. You don't know about postpartum and just so anxious. And this time around people are like, how far along are you? And I'm like, somewhere between 20 and 24 weeks, I think. <laughs> like, you're like, so be like, how big is the baby? Like, what fruit is it this week? And I'm like, you could be a blueberry, you could be a coconut. I don't know. Um, so, That's a pretty big difference. I know. I, I, I was definitely exaggerating there, but like, that's where like, I, which has been nice this time is like, I've been pregnant this whole time, but it's not the center of my universe. Of course, I'm grateful. Of course, we're so excited. She's another little miracle, like all these great things. And it's okay that it's not taking up, like before it was very obsessive for me that it took up like a lot of my brain space. And now I feel like it's like just a, another piece of my life. And that's been a big positive. And I'm hoping that I can carry that over into postpartum because my postpartum anxiety with <laughs> Sienna was, woo like was through the roof and I'm feeling much more confident this time, like going in, of course, there's so much you can't control and you just take it with what you can, but that's been really nice with the second one. Like not as much anxiety in this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I love that you started with a positive. Bonnie, yeah, feel free I think to go I'm... positive or negative. <laughs> you don't have gonna to. <laughs> piggyback off the positive before I take it south. <laughs> um, to add to that, This pregnancy, I think, has gone by faster, which in a sense is nice because I experience less anxiety, less worries, things like that. I think having a child already just makes every single day go by faster. So I just don't have time to spend reading my pregnancy book and seeing what size fruit, you know, my baby is right now. Um, And I know what to expect, which is really nice. Like when I experience different discomforts, I'm like, this is familiar. Yes. I know what to do about this, or I know to just sit with this discomfort and wait until I give birth for it to get better. So I would say that those are two things that are better for me. And what's been really challenging is just feeling like 
this pregnancy has been so out of my control. And I'm a planner, which is probably why I ran into food issues in the past years ago. But, you know, that pops up in my life in other areas. So when I got pregnant with my first, that was very much planned. And I feel so blessed that I was able to plan it and get pregnant when I wanted to. I planned my maternity leave, everything in my business. Like I felt so on top of it. And then I wasn't planning on getting pregnant again until my specific timeline. And before I knew it, I found out I was pregnant four months postpartum. And that was really, really, really hard for me because obviously it ruined my plan. (laughs) It ruined my business plan, my personal life plan, everything. So I've just had to kind of learn to sit with that. And also, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to be pregnant for almost two years straight because Mm. obviously after you have a baby, the postpartum period, you're not back to your normal life. You're figuring out how to live life with a baby and letting your body heal. So I felt like I had just such a short period of time of feeling like I was getting back to my usual self before I went through pregnancy again. And then, um, even though I've done the work to heal my relationship with food and body, to have your body change so much Mm. for basically two years in a row, it's still just a lot. And it's a lot of stress on your body to go through pregnancy. So that's been challenging for me. Thank you for sharing all of that. That is an experience I have no experience with. (laughs) Um, But I give like, you're amazing. I mean, the fact that you're working right now yeah. too, like you are you amazing. You <laughs> and at the same time though, I am like, holy smokes, my body is amazing. Mm. Like my body yeah. is pushing out two humans in such a short period of time. And I feel very thankful. I haven't had pregnancy issues or anything like that thus far. So every appointment, they're like, baby looks great. You look great. Um, the concern with close pregnancies is that, you know, the mom hasn't recovered her nutrition stores and all of that. And they said that hasn't shown up to be an issue so far. So I'm like, okay, my body is so amazing. I can't believe that it's doing this. I, love I can't believe it either. I remember talking <laughs> to you, Bonnie. You and I had like a Zoom chat postpartum. Neither of us knew the other one was pregnant yet. And I think I told you first and you're like, I'm also pregnant. And I think I looked at you and I said, how? How are you? Pre- how did that happen? And yeah. like we made jokes because I was like, I don't think at four months postpartum, I could even think about that. But it, like you said, you, your body is absolutely incredible. Um, my husband and I are still sleeping in separate beds right now. I was thinking about, no, I was going to say you're two and a half or three years postpartum and still not thinking about that. I forgot you had a second child. I did. I did do that. But we are currently, he sleeps in the basement and I sleep upstairs and we switch like just the sleep aspect. Um, No, I'll turn that into a positive. Like for baby number two, knowing so much more about what happens um, when a newborn comes into your home, like, and being able to communicate like what is needed for each person to be at their best um, for the toddler or for the other person that lives in the home, the baby or toddler, whatever you want to call them. Um, That's been really, really helpful for us. And my son, my oldest is, I don't know if I'd call him like high needs, but he's like very high 
energy. And we both like had a very serious conversation with each other. That's like, if we're going to be a good parent to him and be able to keep up with him and have patience for him, because he requires lots of that and like be able to take him on his regular scheduled programming, which is lots of activity. Like one of us needs to be rested. So however we can work to do that to make sure that we're showing up best for both kids, you know, we have to figure out. And so we've figured out a system that works really well for us. And I know that other people do it differently, but not sleeping together for the past three and a half months is part of that. Um, and you know, therefore I'm not pregnant again. So sorry, Bonnie. <laughs> but, <It's> okay. <laughs> but, but for baby, for baby number two, you know, it's something that we didn't think about with our first and like the bassinet was next to us. We were both waking up, you know, we were both not sleeping because we were listening to every sound. And this time around the baby's room has a queen size bed in it and you know, we're taking turns. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's something that worked really well for us this time around. And it's allowed us to like guarantee some sleep, which has been helpful too, because that newborn period, it's just, they keep you on your toes. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, I totally agree with the sleeping in separate rooms, like... During those first few months postpartum, Luke and I definitely did that where like I would go to bed first in a different room and sleep like a shift mm-hmm. and then he would go as long as he could and then come get me and it just it allowed for us to get long stretches, which is just so Needed. important. And then I can't imagine again like having a newborn and a toddler and then like trying to navigate that without any sleep. It would just be really, really hard. Um, all right. So another one that I have, which I shared a little bit off air, but I think like the biggest difference for me thus far has been the, from a physical aspect, my body changing much more rapidly with the second pregnancy. And I've heard that from a lot of people. I kind of like expected it, but even doing the work of like healing relationship with body, feeling like I have a very neutral relationship with my body, it's still like you had said, Bonnie, it's still so difficult when your body is rapidly changing. And especially because I had years of fertility treatments before with like insane injections and hormones. I just feel like my body has not been mine. And now being pregnant for the second time, all of the comments of like, you're only 20 weeks and like, because because even myself, like just knowing from my first pregnancy to my second pregnancy, how different they are and how different I look like at that timeline, 
I have so many people making comments about like how big I look already. Now, again, I come to this conversation with thin privilege. I do not know what it's like to reside in a much larger body. And I can't imagine what that would be like on top of pregnancy. But that's been something that it's just allowing myself to sit in the discomfort. And it's never fun when you're you're uncomfortable. Um, but recognizing that my worth has, of course, nothing to do with my weight, with my body changing, and that my body is creating a human life. Um, very grateful for doing this work before having children. Mm-hmm. But woof, yeah. the body changes so much quicker, so much more rapidly. Cause it's like I've done this before. I know. Muscle what I'm memory. Doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I totally resonate with that. And it's such a good reminder that body image is ever changing. We have things that can impact our body image on a daily basis. And I think for me, it's like the discomfort that comes with pregnancy kind Mm. of piles on to some of the body image fluctuations that I experience. And I notice that on the days that I find body image more challenging, I'm more uncomfortable. It's like Mm. the baby is moving in a weird way or I have some new type of belly pain or something has happened where it's just, it's aggravating it. Yes. And then when you feel physically unpleasant, it can easily trigger like the mental, emotional stuff. And I've gotten so many people, and maybe it's because I've shared that I'm pregnant on, on, you know, Find Food Freedom's page, but so many people, I don't know if it's like a season of pregnancies of people just saying like, I am so uncomfortable with my body changing during pregnancy. So I would love to hear from you too, like what you would say directly to, you know, a mama who's uncomfortable with her body changing. I think for me, what I experienced the most is that when I was uncomfortable physically and Dylan's pregnancy was brutal for me. Like I had numbness for like weeks on end. Like he was under my ribs. He like shot out some nerves. He's, I think this is why he's been like a good baby, knock on wood, because he was horrible inside my womb. Um, But when I was uncomfortable, it made me feel like I couldn't trust my body. And that's like a really shitty feeling when there were times in my past where I really didn't trust my body. Um, And working through that and feeling like I had recovered and then like going back to like, why are you failing me? Or like, what is happening? Or why can't I, why aren't we on the same team kind of feelings? Um, Whereas a lot that came up for me, but I would say to someone who was experiencing that, that if you are uncomfortable, there's no better thing that you can do than ask for support and get help in the areas that you feel like you might need it. And maybe it's mental health, but it also might be physical health. So like in this pregnancy, I went to physical therapy. Um, I went for acupuncture. I did massages whenever I could. You know, like there were other areas that I explored that um, helped me feel more physically comfortable so that I could also mentally feel comfortable. So like getting support from a registered dietitian to talk about body image or a therapist. I also had therapy um, or a therapist is super helpful, but like there's also no shame in finding like the help to actually help your body feel better because pregnancy is 
a lot, like you said before, Bonnie, it's a lot of stress on your body. Like it's a stress on your joints. It's putting a lot of weight in the middle part of your body. That's like tipping you forward physically. And then we sit all day. We're on our phones. We're looking down. We're on our computers. And it's a lot of stress on like your neck um, and just like the upper half of your body, which then also pushes down to the lower half of your body. And there are things that you can be doing to get support to kind of even some of that out. And I think that that's like a really important thing to explore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And I just want to say that like, it's okay to experience this discomfort and be frustrated by it. I think that in our society, in our culture, you know, people paint pregnancy as this beautiful thing, something to be <laughs> like grateful magic. for all the time. And it is a beautiful thing. It is a wonderful thing. And it is so incredibly hard. So just know that it's okay to go through some hard times and feel uncomfortable and even complain about it. Um, that's It makes me feel better to do that. People will ask me how I am with pregnancy and I don't know if it surprises them, but I'm just like, I'm ready to be done. Um, <laughs> and I also find it really helpful to share with my husband how I'm feeling or sometimes just get a good cry out. That's one way I process my emotions is through crying. And it's something that I like about myself. I think that um, sometimes emotions can feel scary and we just want to experience the positive ones like happiness, joy, and those are great. And at the same time, the way I work through some of this discomfort and frustrations with pregnancy is getting a good cry out. And it's very therapeutic for me. Uh, And then I also agree with you, Jenna, like seek support. You are your best advocate. I have never had a professional and any prenatal appointments tell me to go to prenatal or to go to, you know, pelvic floor therapy or see a chiropractor or anything like that. I have had to seek it out myself Mm -hmm. and then ask my provider to write me a referral so I can run some of it under insurance. Um, Unfortunately, it just seems like that sometimes that's what you have to do. But if you experience discomfort, there's someone who can support you. It may not make the discomfort go away completely, but it should help. Like I'm going to go back to pelvic floor PT. I'm going going to go see a chiropractor. Um, So yeah, there's things to do to support you. Yes. I love that. And I love how you both kind of, you really honed in on the physical spot. And while you were talking, it made me think about like whether we're pregnant or not, truly, if you are fearing your body getting bigger, because I know so many people find out they're pregnant and they fear their body changing. I think it's coming back to, like you both said, finding support, working with a professional to dig into that. Like why, what, what do we believe about larger bodies? What do we believe about our own body if it gets bigger? Um, whether again, whether you're pregnant or not, because like we've said on this episode, our bodies are going to continue to change our entire life, especially if fertility journey and motherhood is in the future. So, um, it's, it's a really good belief system to just kind of dig into and, and question. Yeah. And watching what you consume on social media, because Bonnie, I love that you said like, you know, you're, 
painting this picture that pregnancy is supposed to be this like magical glowy skin and you know full hair and all the things and like I don't think I got dressed the entire time I was pregnant. And like part of I think I was naked for like three months straight because like <laughs> breastfeeding like my tits were just hanging out and I like didn't leave the house and like in a diaper. Like so. literally. Yeah. But I think you know like they're my pregnancy with my first was like a little bit magical because I had all the time in the world and didn't realize that and, you know, all the things. And then with this one, it was just so incredibly different and it felt very like failure-y to me. And that was really hard um, for me a lot. I was also like, I slowed down a lot, um, you know, because I was really just exhausted all the time. Like, I finally like slept when the baby slept, like when Noah would nap, like I would nap because I was so, so, so tired. And I think that that entire pregnancy experience, I would look on my for you page on Instagram is all now babies. And during pregnancy, it was all pregnant women. And I'm like, how are they like doing the things that they're doing? How are they prepping their second nursery? I'm like, I have like a bunch of boxes in a room. Like, you know, there's just things that are just so unrealistic that you see on social media that the best thing to do is really just be, turn them off to whatever capacity that you can so that you can stop playing that comparison game and stop playing the comparison game with yourself of, well, when I was 20 weeks last time, I was blah, blah, blah. Like it's a different baby. It's a completely different pregnancy. It's a completely different experience. And that's something that like needs to be understood. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then something that came up in my mind, this, this goes after pregnancy in the postpartum space. Speaking to your topic on comparison, I think it can be so easy to see what other moms are doing and think that you need to do what they are doing or what is acceptable per society. So for me, postpartum, so this is taking it away from pregnancy, but going into postpartum, a question that I asked myself was, if it was just me on planet Earth and no one was here watching me choose the decision I'm making to raise my child what would I do? Like my answer was vastly different. And this came to me with feeding. So I had a horrible experience with breastfeeding. I mean, I cannot tell you the mental toll it took on me. I feel like I was going through depression, anxiety. I could go into great detail, but just now it was horrible. And ultimately I decided to switch to formula at around three weeks postpartum. And it was the best decision I ever made for myself. But I was so scared because There's so much judgment in the feeding space and stigma around formula and with providers. I mean, it's everywhere. 
But ultimately, I had to ask myself that question, like, what do I need? How am I going to be the best mom to my son? And if no one were here watching me make this decision, what would I do? So remember, it's okay to do what is best for you. And that might be different than what's best for other people. But you've really got to advocate for yourself and protect your own sanity. So I love that you brought this up and I had a very similar situation with my first and I was actually reading his baby book. So he just turned three last week. So I was going through his baby books and at three months, I was still trying to force breastfeeding that was not working. This kid was in the fifth percentile for weight. Fifth. Okay. <laughs> like looking back on that, I'm like, I was trying to for, I, I know how miserable I was. My husband and I had this conversation. Like I knew mentally I was in such a bad place, but I didn't really realize it until looking at this book and reading, like he wasn't sleeping. He wasn't eating. I like, I have this, all the notes like in there. Right. Um, and with Dylan now, I remember when the lactation consultant came in after he was born and I was giving him formula and she was like, are you you know, breastfeeding, pump, pumping, whatever? And I said, you know, my milk has clearly not come in yet at all. So like right now he's getting formula. I'm going to give it a shot and we're going to figure it out. I kind of just like dismissed her. She didn't really push me. Um, and without the pressure and already supplementing from the beginning, my milk, when it did come in, like I was, I chose to pump and because the breastfeeding was just like not comfortable for us. And it's been such a different journey. It's like, I have the amount that comes out each day is like pretty consistent and anything else that he needs is being supplemented with formula. And without the pressure from day one, it has made such a difference in my experience with him because I like, I can't believe that I tried, like, why did I try and force breastfeeding? Because society says you have to, right? It wasn't for any other reason. Yeah. What the fuck do I know? I was a first time mom, right? Like, you the know, pressure like, is there. It's from the people in the outside saying breast is best. It'll protect him from this and blah, 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 blah. And so I was trying to force something. The kid was starving. <laughs> like he wasn't a bad newborn. He was hungry. And like, I know that now. And like, I have so much like, shame that I'm personally working through of like his first couple of weeks of life, like now knowing what I know now, like it's, it's just crazy. So thank you for sharing that. And whatever it's you hard. decide to do with baby number two <laughs> will be amazing. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is so hard. The guilt is real. I still experience some guilt that pops up when I hear people talking about the benefits of breastfeeding or providers just making assumptions that I'm going to for sure do it with my second, which I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I have to remind myself of. Like I did what was best for me and my baby and work through the guilt because it stays with you. It's such a pervasive message in our culture. And of course you want to do what's best for your baby. But then at the same time, it's like, is it really best? <laughs> it's so not, hard. It's not best for mama. No. Exactly. <laughs> or like Jenna, like you shared, like if they're not thriving or if you're not connecting or with your mental health or all these things. So thank you both for sharing that. Cause I had like a more positive experience with breastfeeding with my first. And so I think I might have like a skewed like view of it of, oh, it's going to work for my second. And what if it doesn't? Right. And like being okay with that. And so I'm really grateful to hear stories like both of yours where I can lean on you and um, like, no, it's okay. And we supplemented formula with her pretty early on too, 
like in conjunction, like combo feeding. Um, and so I think just having both available, that's like the best of both worlds. Cause then you got it all. It's great. Truly. Um, all right. So I think we all need to share one thing postpartum that like nobody told us. And then like we got to postpartum and we were like, what the actual fuck with baby it? number two or either. Oh, well, okay. Got it. Either. <laughs> like you guys, they're it's not like, there yet. What? <laughs> like what? is happening like why did no one tell me about this <laughs> well i'll go first with what i shared before we started recording that i'm three and a half months postpartum now and i was i did go to the gym but my mom was over this morning and she was like a little too close to me and she was like is that you you smell <laughs> like, okay so you can smell that too it's not just me. Like I always thought like, you know, you, you can smell your own scent kind of thing, but like maybe other people can't. Well, they can. So apparently I stink. You like stole mine because like, <laughs> I swear to God, the stench of postpartum, like, like a bear. I had no idea. And like, it's because your hormones are changing like so much. Like obviously like vaginally there is a smell when you're like, what is it called? Is it the Lockia? I never know how to pronounce it. I don't it's, even know what you're talking about. The sure, tell me. <laughs> it's the discharge that comes out from your scar of like the placenta ripping from your oh. uterus. Mm-hmm. And so like you're shedding that scar out, like the bleeding that happens, like there is a stench to that. And like, that's a known thing. But my armpits, like I was so stinky that I like couldn't even stand smelling myself. (laughs) And so I'm happy to tell people that like that goes away, but no one told me about that. Like not for a while. (laughs) Yes. Not for a while. Like definitely like where you're still at. Like, yeah, a hundred percent, especially because you're still pumping, breastfeeding, like your hormones are still different versus, you know, so like. I was rocked by that because you just feel so much discomfort. And then the, I was just like, I did not know about that. No one talked about that. Yeah, so it's crazy. <laughs> I think for me, it was the night sweats. I had no mm. idea they were a thing. And my husband and I did the thing where we slept in different rooms in the beginning too. And so I would go to bed in our room without baby. And I got the first shift of a good good stretch of sleep. And I would go to bed cold. Like I could see that it was cold in our room. The temperature was low. I had lots of covers on and I would wake up out of nowhere soaked. I've never sweated so much in my life, like even with a workout. So that was crazy. And I didn't even know that was related to postpartum until several months after when I just saw someone post about it. I just went through every night for a while with the night sweats. And I was like, that's weird. Maybe I just got hot. You know, <laughs> I mean, funny. I was soaked. It's an intense sweat. But I didn't have them the second time around. I woke up soaked from breast milk, but I did not wake up. And I had them bad with number one, but I did not have them this time around. So I bless you both with that. Thank you. Number two, because those are bad. Like I remember we were recording ads, Sam, and I was talking about like sheets and not wanting to ruin my cozy earth sheets. (laughs) Um, But like, so I stocked up on extra sheets and didn't need need them this time. So it's just, it goes to show you like how different each pregnancy 
really is on your body. It's just, it's so wild. And something that I know I've talked about in previous episodes about my current postpartum experience, but something that I really encourage you both to do, and I know that you're sure you already have, but that anybody listening that's pregnant with number two um, or whatever um, is having a conversation with your significant other about what you really need postpartum. Now that you know what it's like to be the mom, the one delivering the baby, right? You have a little bit of an idea of the recovery process. You also have another kid that's going to need your attention. And how are you going to be able to support your mental health? Um, Have some time to yourself, whatever that looks like and whatever's feasible for you. But like that communication Matt and I had in the hospital, like we had talked about it like a little bit before, but in the hospital, when the psychiatrist came in to talk to me about postpartum depression, because I scored high on like the, the little quiz that you take, you know, we really, he got to hear what this woman was saying to me. But when she left, we really like had a very honest conversation, like where I was able to say like, yeah, I felt really dark last time. These are the things that, you know, I was experiencing and now thinking back on it, here's why. And here's what I need to be done differently this time. And it's tough because listen, men go through their own postpartum. And like, I think from our experience this time around, he was able to show up really big when I needed to bond with the baby and he was able to take the toddler and all of the things, but they also need like their bonding time and time to do things for themselves and with baby too. And it's like, that can feel really overwhelming, I think, um, for both parents. But anyways, what I'm trying to say is I was able to communicate like what I needed to make sure that my mental health didn't plummet again this time to the ability that I could control it. Um, and that helped us a lot. Sleep is part of that and having that sleep conversation. But like, you know, when I was cleared to take walks or to go back to the gym and like to carve out time to just like have a cup of coffee alone, like that kind of stuff was really important. And I didn't do that with number one at all. Like I felt like I needed to be home. I needed to be with him at all times. Like I didn't want to leave the house, whatever it was. And I think that really impacted my mental health a lot. So being able to advocate for myself in my relationship, um, I think was really, really helpful um, this second time around. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Mm. I think it's so helpful to hear that and having been through it once, know exactly what you need. I think this time around, I'm going to be so much more clear with like what I need from visitors because Mm. everyone is excited to come over and see the baby. But I almost felt like I got gypped from bonding with my baby for the first few weeks between trying to figure out breastfeeding, having people come over and watch him while I left to try and figure out my breastfeeding issues. Like I felt like I really didn't spend that much time with him. And then we had laundry piling up and dishes and all of that. So now when people come over, I think I'm going to say, 
you can fold my laundry and you can unload the dishwasher and you can bring me lunch. And I'm and sure do something be, special for your yeah. older son. Like, yes, that I would tell people, like, I don't need you to come help me with the baby. I need you to take Noah right. out to a park, like take him on a walk, take him to a park, do something fun with him. Take my car. There's a car seat in it. Like go. <laughs> right. Like that is such a great point. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. Like be, not being afraid to ask for what you need, whether that is from your partner, whether that is from visitors or close family and, or I know we've talked about this on other episodes, but if you have a doula, if you have a lactation consultant, a midwife, someone that is there for you outside of your traditional like OB or, um, doctor that you're delivering with, I know that was huge with my first. And I actually, I just sent my doula. I've been like working with her through this pregnancy. And she's like, have you submitted your contract? I was like, I don't even know if you sent it to me. I just know I'm working with you. (laughs) Um, so I like just turned that in this week of just having a support person there for you and knowing that you are so fully supported because, we like mothers, we need the support. We need the support. I cannot stress that enough. Um, and so it's conversations like these that I'm so grateful that we're having so candidly. So then for anyone who's listening to this, who is pregnant, who is thinking about getting pregnant, who has a friend that's pregnant, who is pregnant with their second, you know, whatever that looks like, like send this to whoever needs to hear it. Um, because I think there's just so much wisdom in here that I wish that I could have heard before going through it the first time. The last thing that I'll say too, is I have a cousin who has babies that are decently close together. Um, and her youngest, she has two babies and she was the first to have two in our family. And I just remember asking her something about, um, you know, what's it like with two. And she said, you know, two is two. Like, I think it's hard for everyone. Um, it's double the responsibility and two is two. She's like, no matter what kind of baby you get, like it's still two babies that you have at home that you need to take care of. And I really like understand what that means now because you don't think your heart can expand big enough to love both of them. It will. You don't think you're going to figure it out. You will. It took me a really long time to feel able to trust myself to be with both babies. And I would encourage both of you, like if you have that feeling to talk about it with your partner because, or I want any support system that you have. Like I felt like I was incompetent. Like I could not take care of both of them. And then like, after a couple of weeks, I think it was six, to be honest with you. I was like, okay, I'm going to try this like for an hour and like you figure it out. But like, it's daunting and it's like, you've, you've actually never done this before. So giving yourself that ability to be a beginner and like learn with your kids, I think is really valuable. And just understanding that there's no right way to do it. You just really figure it out as you go. And I'm still figuring it out as I, tomorrow is actually my first day where I will be alone with both kids for like the whole fucking day. And I'm terrified. (laughs) 
I still don't think that I'm like allowed to be alone with Sienna. Like I'll be in Target and be like, I'm not the parent. Like I'm the (laughs) child. I, I don't, I have like major imposter syndrome. So I can't even imagine having two alone like that. I'm already nervous about. So I'm like, so what are we watching on TV? Yeah. Yeah. What movies are we watching? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bonnie, if there's anything that you want somebody to take away from this episode, um, what would you share? Mm, My goodness. I would say that all feelings are valid. You can Mm. experience a wide range of feelings through anything in life, but especially with pregnancy and bringing life into the world, there's like excitement, joy, and then there's also nervousness and fear and even grief around how your life changes. Like when you were talking, Jenna, I was thinking about how I'm so excited for this baby to be here. And I'm also so sad about not just being my son's like mom and, you know, him being my only one. I'm like, I feel like I didn't get enough time with just you. I feel like I'm going to cry saying it. It's so sad. (laughs) So all emotions, I know. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a crier, which I already shared, but all (laughs) emotions are real and valid. And it doesn't mean that you're like wrong or a bad mom for experiencing a wide range of them or that you're doing pregnancy wrong or something like that. I love that. I love it so much. So Bonnie, for those listening who want to learn more about you, where's the best place that they can find you? You can find me on Instagram at diet.culture.rebel. Awesome. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at whatthefork_pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for more fun. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.